Pray and may the blessing of Almighty God be in your heart and on your lips. You might worthily proclaim the gospel, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With your spirit.
So as parables go, this one tonight is a real corker. You know, you've got, you've got, as usual, you've got the king, you know, and he's got his servants, and he's got a son who's getting married, and the big wedding feast, and that's all good and fine, because that's what parables, that's kind of the stage that's always set in parables, and then you've got the people who don't respond to the invitation, which is very weird, because if the king invites you to the wedding feast, you think you'd go, and then you've got the slaughter in the between, and then you've got the king being nice again, and he's uh, coming in, and he invites all these people into the wedding feast, just the normal people, the day, all kind of people like us, and then and then you've got this weird kind of ending where all of a sudden there's some guy there in the middle of the wedding feast, you know, that he presumably have invited in off the streets and he doesn't have the right clothes on and the king says, out you go into the night to wail and grind your teeth. It's like, ooh, what's all that about? It's kind of a really strange parable, this one. So loopy and kind of weird. It ends especially on a very strange kind of distasteful note. It's a corker, this one. So maybe we can unravel this thing a little bit. So let's start at the top with the king. The king, as always in parables, usually represents God, but sometimes it takes a while for the God part to show up. So this king starts out, and he's presumably a powerful king, you know, he's got a, he's a king after all, and he sends out this invitation for all these wonderful people, the, the dukes and duchesses, the lords and the ladies, and every, all that stuff to come to his big wedding feast for his son. You know, and for them not to come was a terrible insult. And it probably means that they didn't respect this king, and he knows that. They're sending a very strong message that we don't like you, you're not a good king, we don't want to respect you, we're not going to follow your ways, um, you're on your own, you're a king in name only, keep the crown, the rest of us are going to do our own thing. And that, of course, is anathema to a king. If you're a king, you've got to have power over people. You've got to have people you can control. You've got to have people who will accept your invitation to come to your son's wedding. So we've got, that's the situation. So then, you know, you've got to always add these parables, the little bit of bloody part, you know. Some of the, the people are too busy doing their accounting and others are taking care of weeding their garden. Pretty lame excuses, but there's always, you know, those guys who take the servants and throttle them and kill them like we had last week in the other parable. So the king comes and he does what a king does. I'm going to show you who's boss around here. So he comes and he slaughters those bad people. Okay, part one, that's the parable. Part two of the parable, a little bit different. Suddenly the king becomes a very nice guy. The king says, okay, I don't have all these other people out here to come to my feast. So instead of the lords and the ladies and the dukes and the duchesses, I'm going to have the ordinary people, the hoi polloi, the little people to come to my feast because I've got all this food, bring them in. So they go out and they bring in all the people, the sinners, doesn't matter what they are, the tax collectors, the farmers, the, the low people, the lame, the sick, the, probably not the lepers, but everyone else comes in and they have a great feast together. And that's great. This is a really good king after all. Well, now he is, after the slaughter part. And then this strange little bit at the end. What's going on there? Well, so you've got one guy in there, and he's not dressed in the wedding garment. Not sure what that would have been in Jesus' time, but obviously sticking out like a sore thumb. So the king goes up to him and says, you know, you're not dressed appropriately. And he says, well, I just came in off the street. You know, you just told me to come. But anyway, he gets sent out. Now that's kind of the key to this parable, but it's a weird key. So what's happening here? 
To understand that part of it, you've got to go back to part two. So part two of the parable, where this king invites all these people into his dining hall for his son's feast. This is the part that's really about God. When Jesus gets to this part, then the king really is acting like God would act. Not so much like a wedding feast, but talking about all the gifts that God sheds upon us as human beings. Jesus makes it very clear in this part of the parable that everybody comes in, that God's graciousness, that God's love, that God's mercy and compassion is for everybody, saint and sinner alike. They all get to come into the feast. This is what God is like, Jesus is telling these folks through this parable. God doesn't hold back with us. He just pours out of his heart, gift upon gift upon gift. That's what the wedding feast means. All of these luscious foods and the fine wine represent everything God gives to us, day in and day out. In a way, Jesus is saying for everybody, all of life is a huge feast and it's filled with joy and it's filled with mercy and it's filled with goodness and unimaginable. That's what heaven is like. That's what God is like. And it's not just for the, the holy people. It's for everybody, saint and sinner alike. God's grace like the rain falls on everybody, the just and the unjust, the good and the bad. That's what God is like. And what that feast does for those people is that it brings them together and makes them a family. They're all enjoying it together. And it renews them and restores them. And it makes them like God. They start sharing. They start loving. They start being compassionate because God is being so compassionate and loving with them. And their joy is infectious. That's what happens at wedding feasts, especially heavenly wedding feasts, kingdom of God wedding feasts. So the sinners become holy, and they leave behind their bad ways, and the grumpy people have smiles on their faces, and people who wouldn't talk to each other start talking to each other. And life is good because God is pouring down grace upon grace upon grace upon us and we start sharing it with one another. Now why couldn't the parable just stop there? We'd have a perfectly good story with a perfectly good lesson about God and us. But no, we've got to add one more little piece to it just to throw us off. So this beautiful wedding feast is going on. Who's the guy without the wedding clothes? I'm not talking about clothes. I'm talking about the spirit of the wedding. You're talking about the spirit of the meal, the spirit of the gathering, the spirit of the feast, the spirit of God. Well, there's lots of theories about who this guy is and why he gets in trouble. The best one is mine. <laughs> <laughs> My theory is that he's in the wedding feast. 
he's got his arms crossed. He's not having any of it, even as he maybe takes a little bit of the nice turkey or something. He's looking down on all these other miserable people because he's so good, he's so holy, he's so cool. He doesn't need God in his life. He doesn't need grace in his life. He's got enough already. He doesn't need to share with these other people because he's already got everything he needs. He doesn't have the wedding feast clothes on because he isn't in the spirit of the wedding. He doesn't get it. He's, you know, this big negative person right in the middle of all this joy and all this happiness and all this feasting and all this people loving each other. And he's got his arms crossed. And he's grumbling to himself about why he has to put up with all of these dirty people under his feet. That's who he is. And that's why the king comes up to him and says, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you enjoying God's graces? Why aren't you enjoying the feast? Why aren't you enjoying the people? Why aren't you enjoying the joy, the grace, the mercy, the compassion of God? I got enough of that in my life already, thank you very much. I don't need all of that. I don't need them. I don't need this feast to change me one bit. I'm perfectly fine the way I am. And that's when the king escorts the guy out of the kingdom of God. Because he won't have God's grace. Because he won't tolerate God's goodness, even for sinners. Because he's too holy, too good for everyone else. Because he's arrogant. Because he thinks he's like almost God himself. And he doesn't get it. And it's kind of a deadly mistake. Because what he is not getting is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God and the wedding feast is Jesus and Jesus' life and Jesus' love and Jesus' mercy and Jesus' compassion made flesh in our world here. And that's not a parable. That's not a story. That's real. And when we say we've got enough holiness already, when we say we don't need to deal with those other people, when we say we don't need to celebrate, we don't need to feast, we don't need God's grace in our lives because we've got enough already, then that man is us. And the kingdom of God is not in him. And it's his own darn fault. And that's why he's escorted out of the meal, unchanged, to wallow in his arrogance for all eternity. Oh, one more thing. What's with that line about many are invited but few are chosen? <laughs> 